This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharudin and this is Gigi Well Played, the show that talks about all things video games. In this episode, we're going to be talking about It Takes Two, a new cooperative multiplayer game from His Light Studios, the developer responsible for the critically acclaimed A Way Out. But before that, here's a recap of some of the biggest news in the world of gaming with Ali Johan and of Neil Ting. Thank you, Hanif. Let's start this week's news with the launch of Outriders, Square Enix's latest looter shooter that's gaining decent previews prior to the game. Here's the thing about power. Once you taste it, there's no going back. This planet tried to destroy us. To bring us to our knees. It failed. There's a bit of a hype for this game and after the demo that was released prior, a lot of fans were looking forward to playing the game during the launch. Unfortunately, the launch itself wasn't smooth, server issues disrupting gamers' experience. Jonathan Liu, content director at kakuchupure.com, joins Hanif for a quick chat on this issue. Uh, Yeah, so basically when the game launched, a lot of people were complaining that they couldn't connect online. See, Outriders, it's a shooter, a co-op shooter that's kind of tailored like Destiny or any of the loot and shoot games that came out from Ubisoft and a number of companies for the past few years. But this is from Square Enix, I believe, and developer people can fly. They are known for creating shooters. So it's a bit perplexing that they launched the game in a how do you say, a technically unplayable state because of its online nature. I'm guessing that there's really no confirmation about what's going on, but they probably overestimated how their servers work because as soon as the game came out, many people, even their content, even some content creators who are being sponsored by Square Enix had trouble logging into the game at day one just to play the title. So people were basically stuck on the Outriders loading screen like with the music popping out into the intro music they've been stuck there for about like maybe a minute or even like 15 minutes or so because they can't they cannot log on however the problem has been sort of fixed and smoothed for the past few days like I think about Tuesday onward the server started smoothing out so I guess it's okay right now but it's very crucial for a game like this to actually become popular and be playable. Another big issue was the crossplay. If you were playing on a PC, you can actually play it with, with Xbox owners and PlayStation owners. Like, it's a crossplay sort of thing going on. However, when you do a crossplay thing, you actually get disconnected quicker than usual. So even the developers were kind of hinted on the message, like when you start the game, they kind of tell people, maybe you should turn off crossplay for now because we're still working on it. They didn't outright say that, but they kind of hinted that they're going to turn off crossplay temporarily because of this ongoing launch issue. Mm. What was the experience like for you? Uh, for me, yeah, I had a lot of frustrations when I was playing because when I was checking the game out like since Thursday and Friday, I mean, Thursday was fine because there was no one actually going to the servers yet. But as soon as Friday, I think in the morning hit, that's when I had trouble getting into the game. Like I tried to log in. It took me about five minutes 10 minutes before I got in. And then when I'm actually in, just playing by myself, playing single-player mode, I keep getting disconnected. So I lost all the loot that I was about to grab and some of my progress was actually lost. So it was a bit frustrating. This kind of reminded me of the time when Diablo 3 came out um, about 10, 
10 years ago or so where they had that problem where everyone logged on at the same time, Blizzard overestimated how the servers would actually perform and there was a lot of issues trying to get in the game within the first week. So it's a bit of like a really bad press for the company's part. Which is a shame because the game itself was really, really fun. I mean, even though it's like an arena shooter and all you do is basically kill enemies in waves and in different stages, the combat itself was actually really good. It's also a really good mechanic where you actually get to, whatever guns that you get to keep, you get to level it up if you like it and you get to tweak its rarity and even power it up as long as you are willing to do the grind, you know, like how we would do it in an RPG. And of course, there are the four classes you get to pick, the Pyromancer, Trickster, the Technomancer, and the Devastator. They're all different styles of play. You still have to be aggressive with all of them, but one's a tank, one is a, more about marking your opponents, the other's more long range, and the Trickster's my favorite because I get to go up close, teleport, kill enemies, slow down time, and then get back out again before the enemies are the wiser. So it's a really fun title. It's just that the online issues are giving it quite a bad rap. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they had a demo out, right? I think for the game. So technically, they could have expected, you know, the you know, number of players that are going to be, you know, logging That's in. That's the funny thing. The demo actually ran really, really smooth. I mean, like when I was playing the demo like a couple of weeks ago before the release, it was just fine. And it's also pretty cool that you get to transfer your progress from the demo into the full game. It's just that I think it's maybe the de- developers are probably experiencing the first time doing this sort of online thing because developer people can fly. They're known for doing Bulletstorm. They're known for doing Painkiller and also handling Gears of War titles. And these are games you can actually play offline at times too. So, Or mostly offline in the case of Bulletstorm. There's no multiplayer in those games. So doing something that's online only could be something that something they more than they can chew. So I think it's more like uh, inexperience and hubris, a combination of both. So hopefully they can get out of this funk and, you know, people actually start, you know, coming back to the game in a couple of weeks or maybe even a month or two. Yeah, but they are also, I guess, aware of the problem and they are apparently releasing an appreciation package, right, to apologize for, I guess, the problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're giving out appreciation packages. Um, It's basically one free legendary weapon based on your level, a good amount of titanium, you know, to upgrade your weapons and whatnot. And the special frustration emote, which is, I guess it kind of is, it shows that the company has a, sense, a bit of a sense of humor. I suppose, yeah. That, that's very, I guess, clever. Um, so um, considering that it's still fairly new and yeah, he has it like a bump for now, do you think that the game can be the new popular looter shooter out there? Uh, it's really, really too soon to tell because Square Enix didn't really have a good track record with these kind of loot and fighting games or loot action games because last year they released the Avengers and not many people cared about the game. I mean, sure, they are releasing new content, but if your base game is very boring and there's really not much else to do and you're fighting the same kind of villains over and over, then it becomes very stale and it's really hard to actually get people to come back to your title. Um, Outriders, at the very least, it feels like a completely fleshed out game with whatever that's needed is already in the initial install and the initial base game. It's just the online issue is just that that's pretty much putting a damper on Square Enix's and People Can Fly's plans. Moving on, there was also a bit of storm on social media last week as hashtags Boycott Genshin Impact and hashtag Do Better MiHoYo started trending on Twitter. The hashtags were in reference to some controversies that fans have highlighted from the game Genshin Impact. MiHoYo's free-to-play gacha that's pretty popular among gamers. 
Here's John Leo again, shedding some light on the story. This one is a bit more, I guess you could say slightly more muddled because people are complaining about tiny little things about Genshin Impact. See, there was a video that came out recently. It was actually from a documentary that Mihoyo did a while back where someone pointed out that some animators actually did a research, actually were when, when they were animating a particular character called a Hilichiral, who are like tribal goblins, actually had a reference of native, I think American, Native Americans or, you know, like Polynesian people, uh, native people dancing. So a lot of people are complaining that the creatures in these games are depicting like certain races as savages, even though it's a bit of a line to stretch. So it's basically different criticisms of Genshin Impact's depiction of race. So it's not just the Hilichels. It's also about uh, certain characters like uh, Zinyan and Kaya in the game. They, the characters are a bit dark-skinned. They're a bit tan in the game compared to the other white-skinned characters. And in the descriptions and certain storylines for these characters, they were actually considered as scary characters, like especially for Zinyan, because they think she looks scary because of the way she looks and because of the way she's coloured and whatnot. And for Kaya, the character, um, there was a description that said, stating that he's an exotic character. So that's where the, all the kerfuffle went on. What, that's why because of this so-called this depiction of race and um, whatnot, people started supporting the hashtags Boycott Genshin and the other hashtag Do Better Mihoyo, like, which has been going on about Wednesday or so. Uh, is Mihoyo handling this well? Um, I don't think they actually care, if I'm being honest. It's just that a lot of people with... I mean, personally, from my perspective, it's just quite a vocal minority of people who nitpick about this sort of things just trying to bring up mountains out of molehills basically like all these little things that they're bringing up there's actually a bit of flaws in them like for example the research about the Hillichills I don't think the people who made the game actually copied the idea of Hillichills from dancing natives or you know like from are based on native characters in different villages here and there I believe they're basically based off characters from a video game called Legend of Zelda. You know, like the Bokobins and the Goblins in those games. I think they are. I think the Hillichills in Genshin Impacts are inspired by those monsters in Legend of Zelda more. Because as you can tell by looking at Genshin Impact, the game is a bit more similar to Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild more than any other game. So I think all the research for that game, I think the whole dancing thing was probably just a one-off thing. And I do not believe developers would do this out of being racist or whatnot. No one goes out of your way to do that. It's normal for people to take different references here and there to make their animation for certain characters be better. It just so happens that that particular reference was just from a random native dance that the developer probably found online or from a random book that someone gave him. So it's all coincidence. As for the character depiction, uh, Zinyan, her story was basically because she's scary, because she's actually like a rock star, a character who plays a fancy guitar in that fantasy universe. So as someone, because that's not really common in the game's universe, which is uh, in that particular city that she's from. So that's why people are scared of her. As for Kaya, I think this could be like a mistranslation of the word exotic. I think the people who did the translation in English meant to call Kaya like an outsider because... This character is actually an immigrant outside of the city that he's actually stationed in. So all these little things, people are just nitpicking because they're just trying to make big things out of little things that don't really matter. Mm, so you think it'll, it'll pass? Uh, it's more like um, people got nothing better to do. It's, it's, like a, it's like a slow news day, in other words. 
Yeah, and Mioyo will definitely be able to write this out, right? I mean, I think the best thing that companies do, unfortunately, is they can just keep quiet and just keep doing the work they do. Like, just make the banners, make the characters they want. Because these sort of things, it's interesting to bring up. But unless it affects Mihoyo's bottom line by maybe 50% out of the, uh, I don't know, 1, 1 million or 3 million that they've been earning as of late, I don't think it's going to affect them that much. John Leo, content director at gaming website kakuchupure.com. Thank you very much, John, for joining us tonight. Uh, and up next, reports have stated that Sony is apparently working on a remake of The Last of Us. The original game is released in 2013, less than 10 years ago. And this comes after a report by Bloomberg saying that a project codenamed T1X is currently in development after being started by a supporting studio called Visual Arts Service Group. The so-called remake was reportedly started and helmed by Visual Arts after their proposal of a remake for a reboot of the Uncharted franchise was cancelled. They worked on the game for a bit, but then was asked to support Naughty Dog in their development of The Last of Us Part 2. Yeah, so after they finished making The Last of Us Part 2, Naughty Dog then reportedly took over the project with key members of Visual Arts Service Group leaving the company. Nothing has been announced concretely so far, but this seems to be part of Sony's big strategy to focus solely on blockbuster games over smaller games for their company moving forward. Mm. Do we really need a remake of a game that was released only 8 years ago and is frankly still a decent looking and functional game? Mm. Uh, perhaps they could focus on creating new IPs, but some have said that if this is true, this is perhaps done to coincide with the game's transition to the TV screen. Uh, so for those of you who are not aware, The Last of Us HBO series is now in development featuring Pedro Pascal as Joel and Bella Ramsey as Ellie. Yeah, so maybe the decision is to give the game more exposure, right? Mm -mm. Uh, under a new coat of paint uh, to coincide with the launch of the series later, but still. Mm. Um, and the same report there was also a rumour that Sony had turned down Ben Studios' wish to develop a sequel to Days Gone, the open-world zombie action-adventure that was a sleeper hit in 2019. Instead, some members of the company were apparently asked to support Naughty Dogs on some unnamed projects, including a multiplayer game. This has led to some banned staff leaving and some of them complaining to Sony about their autonomy being taken away. So the studio is now working on a new original game, though it's not clear whether it's a new IP or Days Gone Part 2. So we'll have to see when hmm. it comes. Um, that's all we have for this week's recap. Back to you, Hanif. Thank you very much, Ali and Ofnil. Let's go for a short break. Up next, a review of It Takes Two, Joseph Farris's latest print child. Stay tuned. This is Gigi World Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to GG Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharuddin. In this episode, we're going to be talking about It Takes Two, His Light Studios' next attempt at elevating the co-op multiplayer experience after the success of A Way Out. The game tells the story of May and Cody, a couple on the verge of getting a divorce. It upsets their daughter, Rose, who then created two dolls that her parents magically turned into. This led to a fun-filled adventure for the couple as they tried their very best to return to their original bodies. Joining me to talk about this game is BFM's video producer, Sabrina Yusof. We played the game together, I picked Cody and Sabrina picked May. Just a heads up, you'll hear the sound of rain in the background in the later parts of the conversation. So sorry about that, we're both recording from home remotely and unfortunately there are some circumstances 
circumstances that can't be avoided and are out of our control. We hope that it won't be too distracting for you. Enjoy the review. I didn't expect it to go for as long as it did, but I had a lot of fun playing it. Uh, I don't think I get to play a lot of these types of games, and I think there there are a lot of these types of games out there for you to play. It was really fun. I think there's a lot of um, there's always something new to discover each time. Uh, the game always has ways to like flip the mechanics around and and throw something new at you. Even in the little details and stuff, you could find some quirky things. Uh, in the background or whatever. I think overall, it's 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 a really fun game. I had a lot of fun playing it. Yeah, uh, same here. I feel like it's one of those games that I truly had a blast, like from the beginning till the end. And, and I think you're right. I think because if I were to compare it to a way out, uh, not that it's fair to 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 compare them both. Uh, it feels like um, unlike a way out. They really drive home the uh, whole um, uh, having to cooperate together with one another, right? So the element of cooperating with one another is drilled out throughout the game, in terms of its gameplay. So, so you are required to sort of like work together for a lot of the puzzles and also some of the mechanics. In fact, like the cooperative element of the game is is is, is drilled throughout. And I feel like for a multiplayer game, that's that's how you're supposed to perhaps approach it. Like like it's not the kind of multiplayer game where you know, you and I are both independent of each other, and 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 can do our own thing, and just you know, fighting the same enemies, right? It feels like, like they want you to really cooperate with one another, and I also like the fact that yes, uh, it keeps the gameplay fresh throughout. So it's like from the beginning till the end, uh, they managed to incorporate or put in a lot of uh, gameplay elements that are very fresh, right? They could have easily uh, leaned on the platforming elements of the game, but instead they sort of like went for. You know, combination and a myriad of a lot of like different kind of gameplays, right? And it feels fresh throughout. Yeah, I think I think throughout our time playing it, I think around 10, 12 hours. I don't know, maybe more than that. Yeah, I think because we sort of like played yeah. the mini games as well. Um, everything's pretty fresh. Like they managed to keep everything fresh from the beginning till till the end. I think that's that's one of the great aspects of the game. Yeah, even like uh, even in the way that they assigned these like weapons and abilities to me and Cody at each level, they don't. They switch it up as well each time, not just in what tools and abilities they give us, but also in the way that uh, we use those abilities to solve the puzzles and fight the enemies and whatnot. So, for example, it's not always that Mei gets the Macham offense ability and then Cody has to guide her or uh, shield her or whatever, but they would flip that switch as well and then you know, uh, May would have a different kind of like a more defensive ability and then Cody would have like an offensive one and they have to kind of work together in a different way from the last time. And I think that really goes a long way in keeping the gameplay fresh. It was a spell, I am telling you. If it is a spell, how do we break it? Okay, I got this. Give me some space, I need to think. Ah! Oh oh! This is a story of even the manner in which they tackle you know some aspects of the levels are uh, pretty like interesting and, and it makes us like, I remember both of us like were pretty much surprised when the gameplay or the game mode suddenly changed to something that's markedly different, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I think if you watch the trailer, you know that you know some suddenly it becomes like yeah, the the gameplay becomes like a fighting game, and well, we won't we won't reveal a lot more. But yeah, rest assured, you'll be you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised, and you'll be I guess genuinely excited, right? Yeah, and I think that's uh that's kind of like the beauty of it not being consistent each time because then they have this space to 
make it really like have these really wacky moments in the game uh where it's just completely like random and and absolutely like not doesn't fit in at all uh with the way the rest of the game is played but it's like a cute little kind of i guess you could say it's an easter egg so it reference it references different genres it kind of uh uh pokes at at its own genre a little bit it it gives you these little little moments of wackiness that doesn't quite fit but i guess that the 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 fact that it's not the same each time kind of lends itself more to that so it can kind of experiment um and the way that you know there's no concept of lives or whatever you do have health but like because you can just it's very forgiving each time you die they just put you at the last checkpoint um it makes the game a lot more i guess it makes it a lot more fun to play i can explore the world uh, more freely without having fear of you know losing a life um and actually get to interact with all the different things in the world and then that might actually kill me but then it's kind of funny you know so i think those little things are really what make it fun also <laughs> yeah they're quite forgiving when it comes to the difficulty and they're also very generous when it comes to allowing you the chance to explore the world that they created right because i think um um uh the world that they've created is also very whimsical and also uh pretty as much as the game looks a bit cartoony it's also pretty much quite beautiful right and i i feel like the variety of the situations that they put us in and the worlds sort of like the worlds or the levels that they've put us put us in also is is very um I guess uh, immersive in that sense right because you you when you see all these levels uh, when you're in these levels uh I think because there's there's an perhaps an inspiration to to from from stories like or movies like Hanya Shang the Kids or things along those lines uh it feels like it, it feels immersive and also very very like you're sort of like taken into into the, into their universe of sorts lah before we touch more on the world were there any moments where you feel like the I guess the the gameplay or even the the puzzles are pretty tricky Yeah there were a few parts where I where we had a bit of difficulty traversing and those parts those parts were mostly like the platforming parts where you know there's not much of of the uh game's mechanics playing into it other than you know jumping and landing that jump so because there are a lot of moving parts in the world and this is a constant thing that's constantly happening in the game it's 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 the platforming i think that really got me a bit like ah can i just want to get to the other side of this chasm but we have to do it together we have to like synchronize and that's like kind of hard <laughs> and you know uh, but i think that's that's i guess that's part and parcel of what makes it a co-op game i guess you kind of have to figure that out and you know keep doing this trial and error thing until you figure out what the game is trying to tell you to do and once that happens once you figure it out i think there's a good sense of satisfaction I think there were parts where uh the frustration almost like made it not a very enjoyable experience but it was really I guess rewarding at the end that feeling of satisfaction was still there to you to figure uh, figure something out even though it was initially ah it's so simple why didn't we think of that but then you know having being able to uh experience that with another person in co-op I think is another experience it's a special experience also entirely Let's let's talk about the world. Uh what what do you think of the world that that we were put into uh when it comes to this game? Uh okay. I think I really fell in love with the way that they designed the worlds in this game. Like every first of all every world is different. Every level is like a different um kind of realm that they throw you into. And they 
really allowed you to kind of explore the world in ways that you would typically want to explore it. So, for example, um, in a lot of games that are very, you know, that have really similar kind of designs, uh, looks kind of similar to a Tixlu, or like, for example, Little Bit Planet, um, I had some of that vibe in the beginning. Okay, this is a bit like a grown-up Little Bit Planet. But it takes two allows me to kind of, hey, I see that there is something really cool up there, but it's not, it's just not for sure. I can actually go up there and climb up it and then interact with it and see what happens. And the game rewards me for that a little bit. So there are no kind of collectibles or anything, any kind of currency that you can collect in the game. Um, there are many games, but I think it, along the way, I still find myself wanting to explore the little nooks and crannies, even though knowing I probably wouldn't get anything tangible, but the rewarding experience of like pressing that button and then seeing what it does and being like surprised or even fulfilled my expectations, that was really satisfying to, that was a really satisfying feeling to have, I think. And it allowed me to kind of appreciate the world of the game a bit more. And I think it, it, it really goes a long way in, an allow, in allowing players to kind of, first of all, in, in being inside my mind to say that, okay, Sabrina will probably want to like jump on top of this bookshelf. Let me make that accessible for her and put a rail so she can get on there and satisfy her need or curiosity to, you know, interact with that teddy bear or whatever, for example. That is sometimes I feel it's hard to hit hard hard to find in some games where they have a lot of these really well built, detailed worlds, but there's no way for me to kind of interact or go and actually go up close and see what it is. So I think that's that's kind of like my favorite thing about the game, like throwing me into a room where everything is huge and life-size, but like I can actually go and, you know, climb on top of these things and explore and kind of go through all layers of of the room. So that was really fun. Well, the game is pretty linear, but at the same time, there are sections of the games that are pretty... Uh, it's not it's not that big, but but it's it's big enough, and it allows you uh it allows you I guess the the space to explore right. And I think um as much as there are mini games, and I think we didn't even discover all of the mini games. I think I was checking through the inventory yesterday, and I was, I realized that oh there are some mini games that we haven't discovered yet, which means that yeah there are opportunities for uh people to perhaps replay the game and and perhaps discover all the mini games that you can play. Uh, apart from the mini games, they also have um some um, spots or places that that are interactive that, that you can interact with I think that those things as much as it doesn't give you a tangible reward is also very important in, in making the world feel more believable quote unquote right yeah and I think um, I think the attention to detail in the way that they kind of make these worlds um, really lends a lot to the immersion uh, like you said like if you if I see a fluffy pillow I want to be able to jump on it if I see like a mushroom that's really big and round, I want to jump and feel a bounce. And they gave that to me and I think that was like, uh, that was really satisfying and, and allowed me to kind of play around in each level a bit more. Um, and even in the mini games, like they, I, I really appreciated how they managed to make it not just like a doorway into another room and then okay, here's like a game. But no, they made it, they embedded the mini game into the levels that that we're thrown into. So they, you would see, you pretty much see how the game would play out once you come across that minigame. You're like, okay, here's a, here's a racetrack. I wonder what's going to happen. Are we going to be shrunk even more and, you know, race on this 
uh, Hot Wheels track or like is it like a different kind of control or something? So I think that that in itself um, makes it a lot uh, more charming that you know th these mini games aren't just a separate uh, screen or a separate reality. It's there in the room and you can interact with it and you get to score against your opponent and then you guys get to bicker about it um, or have this kind of like uh, running. A gag of you know who who's the best at mini games or who's gonna win the next one and then I think that that keeps the competitiveness out there a bit more. Mm. Let's talk about the characters that are in the game. Um, obviously there are May and Cody and also their their daughter Rose. Uh, but there are also other characters, recurring characters. In fact, um, what do you think of some of the characters that we met throughout our gameplay? Okay, I like the way. I do have to give it to the artists who designed these characters. I really love the way they look. I love that um, May and Cody are made from essentially different materials, even though they don't really look too much like their real-life counterparts. But I, I just like the detail. I like the seeing the textures. It's really cute and, and satisfying to see. But in terms of like the characters themselves, uh, yeah, I feel for them. But I think it's just it's it's just the way that the story was told. Like I think it's just the writing that kind of fell short a little bit in getting the message across or getting me to really like feel a sense of urgency to fix this relationship. Uh, so the book, uh, uh, what's his name, Dr. Hakim, is uh, I, I've been trying to justify his existence, but I couldn't. Uh, yeah, he's there to like sort of fix their relationship and throw them these. Uh, I guess models or whatever, but like I could, I just could not just rationalize him being there because he didn't feel like he helps the relationship uh, in the first half of the game at least. Yes, why do you always blame him? Thank you. Oh, oh, what is that? I'm Dr. Haki, worldwide bestseller and an expert on love. Your daughter purchased me. She was lucky. I was the last copy because I was selling the best. <laughs> I've kept millions of couples and now I will help you two to get together again. Oh, this is definitely a nightmare. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe if his lines were less annoying, if maybe if he was written a bit better, maybe if they had a little bit more nuance in this kind of tricky conversation of relationships and divorce and, you know, Adding another layer, they have a daughter they have to take care of. I think there, there needs to be a sense of um, responsibility, I guess, in the story to address those uh, those elements or those issues. Because you're starting with an issue called divorce, but you are constantly postponing that conversation between the characters. You're constantly kind of like uh, just tapping on the surface of these deep issues, uh, which is, I guess, I'm not sure how to feel about it either. I feel like there is a middle ground to kind of having it whimsical and funny and charming, but also very thoughtful in the way that they want to tell the story. And I think they could have, uh, I think even just, uh, even just better writing would take it a long way in, in making the story a lot more, um, compelling for me. Well, I can hear a bit of rain there. Um, it sounds like it's raining pretty heavily on your end, uh, but it's okay. Let's continue the conversation as usual. I agree with the points that you mentioned that, that the story feels a bit um, 
on the surface, right? And I feel like uh, the best part about playing it is that I think there is a moment um, where you can tell that, hey, they, they sort of like have fun for the first half of the game, sort of like, you know, go on an adventure kind of thing. It has that, you know, let's go for an adventure kind of thing kind of vibe. Before addressing the elephant in the room and before they start talking about the situation, right? and I feel like it's not really jarring, but but it would have been better if the game sort of like address or, uh, you know, write these conversations, this sort, sort of like difficult conversations from the beginning of the game and still make it a fun journey or fun rom uh, throughout, you know, trying to sort of like get back to their own um, bodies and things like that, right? So so there is, a, I would say, a, a, a big shift in tone, but rather like you can tell that perhaps, hmm, okay, so now, because I remember saying it out loud to you, right, as, as, as we were playing, like, okay, so now they're finally sort of like trying to address um, the, the problem that they're facing, right? So it feels very interesting in that sense. You're right, I think... Um, I would like to give them credit for approaching a subject in this manner, for even attempting it. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, it could have been written better. But that's not to say that that is a is a bad game overall. And perhaps I also like the experience to be able to perhaps, I guess, talk more about you know a subject a delicate subject such as a divorce. But as a yeah as a player playing the game, um, you could yeah you could understand that um, even with, even without the experience, you could perhaps say that you know they could have yeah actually written it slightly better and perhaps uh i guess uh with that conversation or that aspect of the story from the beginning of the game rather than you know only picking it up in the middle of the game but having said that the way they sort of like end the game i don't feel like they were sort of sort of like preachy either as much as there are i guess key points that they sort of like hit it doesn't come across as preachy or they were like taking a you know one position with the whole thing. At least the way I interpret it, it doesn't feel that way. But like you said, lah, I feel like the game, they could have handled the writing uh, slightly a bit better. Right. So the story for me, I think it, it didn't take too much away from the experience of the game, uh, purely because I feel that the gameplay really kind of shone through all any or all imperfections, I suppose, because I really did have a lot of fun. And the whole co-op element really added another layer of, of excitement to it. Um, yeah, I did feel it could have been written a bit, even a little bit better. Um, not to say that it could be like Pixar level cute, but deep. But at the same time, but uh, I think it's just in the way that certain certain lines kind of fall flat. You know that they didn't really make me believe in the characters too much. Um, but definitely, I think yeah, they 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 definitely deserve credit for um, making a game with with tackling an issue like divorce. Not in the best way, but in a very creative and innovative way, I think. And, and it's really fun to kind of um, have that as the driving force uh, in, in the game. I just wish that they could have like uh, pushed it a bit better. So as I was playing, it was almost like there's no there's no, like the graph of the story kind of, it, it, there's no real climax, I feel. There's nothing to kind of raise the stakes in the middle uh, to, to get me to want these people to get together. Because I'm also not sure where, uh, where the relationship is going or what am I doing in these levels to kind of solve their problem. So yeah, there's a little bit of that. That be, I think, it, uh, Overall, just playing the game, like it, it, it's really an enjoyable experience in itself. I didn't think this story was that much detrimental to the experience of the game, um, simply because it was a really well-made 
game. It, it surprised me at every level. And um, I, th- I mean, I definitely played again. I didn't get any of the trophies the first time from the friends pass. But yeah, I, I definitely play the game again, I'm sure. Mm. I'm curious to know, uh, do you think that this game, you know, is it kid-friendly? Because there are moments where, I think, let's, okay, let's address the, 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 the way the game looks, right? So it's cartoony, it's colourful, it's pretty, you know, on the surface it looks pretty kid-friendly. But there are moments where it's slightly... And again, I'm not trying to, not trying, trying to more, you know, trying to take a moral high ground or whatever. But I feel like there are parts of the game that's pretty quote unquote dark, <laughs> kind of like yeah. And there are moments where I was like, okay, this is pretty sadistic and kind of like, yeah, the fact that I use the word sadistic to describe it takes two. Uh, yeah, I mean, from my point of view, it feels a bit sadistic. So there are moments where it's pretty like dark, kind of not dark in a grim way, but it's just that you know the way you handle some situations feels a bit. A bit, hmm, like, you know, I wonder whether this is friendly for, like, a 10-year-old or something. So, what, what do you think? Whether It's definitely for adults, but is it kid-friendly? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know, really. It's kind of... I think I, I kept kind of trying to figure that out as I was playing the game. So, when you start off, it definitely feels like you could, it, it is kid-friendly. You know, it, like, I get that little big planet that maybe they much have grown up to get, uh, you know... They, they're trying to talk about these uh, difficult subjects in a fun way. Okay, cool. But then, even just the, the way the first level kind of progressed, I was like, okay, wait a minute. Is this really for kids? Or, uh, or you know, is it just an adult thing? Because it felt like it was too kind of superficial to be meaningful to an adult, at least, I feel. Um, but at the same time, yeah, as you said, there are these certain, like... I guess darker elements in the game that might uh, surprise children uh, a little bit. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's just something we'd have to ask the developers. Like, who do you want to play this? Who do you really want to play this game? Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose if if you're playing this with a child, maybe exercise caution. Maybe if they're like at least, I guess, thirteen. I would say this is like a PG thirteen type thing. Maybe, don't you think? Mm, um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and I think uh, if you who have known the game designer uh, deeper, Joseph Faris, I think I'm not I'm not that surprised to be honest because I think having played a way out as well, I sort of like know that okay, I can sort of like expect these moments from the game, but it's kind of funny. It has that 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 you know with the world being so cute and so colorful and so uh, whimsical to have slight moments that that are I would say it's not even okay. Maybe we're exaggerating it a bit, but but it's not it's not that dark. But but the way it was handled feels feels a bit like oh okay <laughs> like that's pretty yeah that's pretty interesting yeah it's not super super dark it's just it took a turn at certain points a bit too drastically from the tone of the rest of the game that kind of like took me back a little bit and kind of questioned okay wait uh wait this is okay if I like if I was a child playing this okay maybe it is maybe it's like a fantasy violence type of thing but. Again, the way it was like, I guess, played out, felt like they wanted to drive home the fact that this is murder. <laughs> I don't know if I'm keeping much away, but yeah, it does feel like that. So, hmm. yeah, not, not to say I, I didn't love it. I, I love it, but it just I can't help but think of of like hmm, whether like you know if I were to play it with a kid, it will be it'll be appropriate or not. Uh, last words, uh, Sabrina, about the game. Well, I I definitely had a lot of fun playing it. Um, I would absolutely recommend people to play. If you have a friend, if you have anyone that you can play with, definitely go play it. Uh, If you don't, uh, well, 
too bad. <laughs> but if you know, it's it's really fun. It's it it really kind of like I guess subverts expectation of what a co-op game should be. I feel because um, I think it, I definitely think it's different from a lot of games. Uh, I do feel that uh, a bit of the I guess because it's like a split screen throughout the way, and you can kind of see what the other person is going through. Which, in its own way, is cool. Like it, it helps the co-op element a lot. Uh, but at the same time, I felt a bit like sayang because I couldn't experience this really cool, cute world in full screen and having to see my character jump through it and interact with things uh, in, in in the full screen experience is a bit like eh. Tapi I guess the game makes up for it in the in the other ways, you know. You you get used to it real quick, and even then, I would say the game kind still kind of subverts your expectations a little bit. Like suddenly you're changing perspective, suddenly you're in the same screen together, suddenly you're in this other person's screen. So yeah, it's definitely like a box of random stuff, um, and not in any way that's like bad or mismatched. I think the wackiness kind of lends itself to that. Uh, yeah. Definitely play it, and if like it's free for the other person, so one person has to buy, and the other person just gets a friend pass. Um, and yeah, I think that was that was a good move, I suppose. It really shows that they wanted people to experience and play this game. I feel so get get a grab a friend. <laughs> yeah, get, grab a friend, and again, like yeah, even if you want to share the cost, you can split the cost between the two of you, right? Yeah, it's definitely. I agree with everything you uh, you said, Sabrina. I feel like um, the games, the, in terms of a co-op game, I think this is. Pretty much setting a new sort of like benchmark for for uh, an actual co-op game that's not just two people working towards the same goal by doing individual things um, differently, right? This is like you literally have to cooperate with one another. So I feel like this is like the kind of game that um, and it is it's, it's it's a fun ride, right? So so it feels like you don't have to. It's a, it's a one of those you know you can just uh, sit back and relax and still you know be surprised by the mechanics, be surprised by the creativeness of the game. And yeah, I mean the characters are also quite you know apart from one or two characters here and there, the characters are also adorable and charming. And it's 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 a it's a very innovative game that that is fresh throughout. Which I I feel like yeah it's something that you know if looking for a game to just unwind. Well, I don't know whether yeah <laughs> unwind is the right term for it. But but if you want to like just have fun with a friend. Uh, this is definitely a game that you should check out. Yeah, I agree with you, Sabrina. Uh, yeah, so for people out there who are yeah, curious about the game, yeah, you can get it now. It's it's relatively okay price wise, um, not too expensive. I think it's one sixty. You can find it on PlayStation, Xbox, and on even on PC. And like Sabrina said, if the cost is prohibitive, you can perhaps split it with friend. You just have to buy a copy, and a friend of yours can just download the friend's pass, and you know you can play it together. Yes, it is restrictive in that sense where you really have to play it with another friend, but yeah, it's worth checking out, right? I mean, uh, find a friend <laughs> if possible, and you know, persuade them to sort of like play the game, and because it is an experience that's worth checking out, in, in especially in an industry that's pretty much heading towards. Well, I, I know what you mean about when you said that. I guess split screen co-op is sometimes can be quite, I guess, limiting for an individual experience. But at the same time, we don't really see a lot of like split screen multiplayer games these days, right? I think a lot of multiplayer games are very much your battle royales and you know all those kind of games. So, so it's it's pretty cool and refreshing to see these kind of games still around and and, and it's pushing the boundaries of what it means to play a co-op game. With a friend, right? Online in 2021. So do check out It Takes Two by His Light uh, Studios and published by EA. Thank you very much, Sabrina. Thank you for having me.
You've been tuning in to GG Well Played and we've been talking about It Takes Two, a co-op multiplayer game from His Light Studios published by EA. Thank you to my partner in crime, Sabrina Yusof. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, you can find the podcast on pfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and also Spotify. Do share your thoughts about the show or the games that you play via our email, ggwp at pfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on. Till next time gg well played thank you for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on itunes bfm 89.9 the business station